Um, next, I'm going to uh, read some of the scripture for this morning. And then uh, Audrey Shubin's going to come up and uh, give us an update on Titania, who, uh, to those of you who don't know her, is a woman in our community who's a prayer warrior and she loves Jesus and she loves everybody here and uh, she's been battling cancer and uh, Audrey's going to share a little bit about how she's doing. But uh, before she comes up, please join me. I'm going to read the first two Psalms on the back of the bulletin. Psalms 9, 1 and 2 and 31, 1 and 2. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and exult in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me. Incline your ear to me. Rescue me speedily. Be a rock of refuge for me, a strong fortress to save me. Now Audrey's going to come up. Yeah, everybody, uh, please pray with us. Jesus, we love you this morning, and we thank you that you made Titania and that you love her, and we're grateful for all the time that we had with her in our community. Thank you for every time that she came before you as a mediator for us, as someone who came to you and and brought your word and spoke it into each one of our lives who brought your love and your your kindness and your compassion and and who brought wisdom to us god as audrey said i pray that thinking of her and her ministry would lead us into ministry that as she worked to make disciples that we would do that too that we would be warriors in prayer for those that you've put on our heart, that people that you want to reach out to, that you've invited us in to take part in that. Jesus, please be so close to her right now. Be the rock that protects her, that she can stand on. Jesus, I pray this morning that as we listen to your word and as we come to you again in worship, that our focus would be on you and your goodness and your mercy and God that we would see you this morning. Jesus, we pray all these things in your name. Amen. And uh, this week again, we have uh, part two uh, from Rob Shear. Good morning, church. Is that good, Jesse? That sounds good. All right. Um, So if you weren't here last week, this is uh, week two of a very long two-week series. Um, And I spoke last week about finding God in the waves. Um, So just a quick recap. So the first thing I did is I explained how waves are formed. And that's through the steadfast blowing of wind from a storm into the ocean. And you see, our spiritual lives are similar in that we need God's Spirit constantly blowing into us. And then I also discussed what makes waves bend, and the quality of a wave largely depends on how much it's bent. And I talked about how the depth of the wave determines when it starts to bump into the bottom of the ocean floor. And again, 
our spiritual lives are similar. See, we need depth. We need to constantly be in touch with God if he is going to be able to shape us and make us into the people that he's destined us to be. And so what I want to do today is I want to discuss three additional factors that affect waves. I want to talk about the wind, the tides, and then finally I want to talk about riptides. So first, the winds. Now, most mornings here in Malibu, you'll find that the conditions are generally pretty calm with light winds blowing from the land out onto the ocean. And we call these offshore winds. But if you come back in the afternoon, usually what you find is that the conditions have worsened a bit. You'll find stronger winds that are now blowing from the ocean onto the land, and we call these onshore winds. Now, surfers love offshore winds because what they do is they hold the wave as it's starting to break. Offshore winds hold that wave up just another fraction of a second or two. And that gives you just a little bit more time to make your drop, and it also gives you a little bit more time on the face of the wave. And, of course, surfers hate onshore winds because onshore winds tend to knock the top of the wave off, and it can either shorten the wave or oftentimes it can ruin it completely. So what causes these winds to make great conditions in the morning and poor conditions in the afternoon? Well, there are three. It's the sun, the land, and the ocean. Jesse, let's go to the first. This is where the professor in me comes out. There we go, that one. All right. So I'm going to start with the top picture. You see, the land absorbs energy, temperature, heat. It, uh, the land absorbs energy faster than water. And the land also releases energy, or it cools off more quickly than water. And the scientific term for this is the heat capacity. Okay? And so as the sun warms the land during the day, the land gets warmer relative to the water. And warm air rises. And so what you see in the afternoons, the warmer air is over the land. It starts to rise. That's what we see on the top picture, little red squiggle lines. And that creates a vacuum. And that vacuum causes wind to then blow from the water onto the land. But in the evening, the process reverses. In the evening when the sun has gone down, now the land cools off, and at some time in the middle of the night, the water is now warmer relative to the land. So the warmer air is now over the water. As it starts to rise, it creates, again, another vacuum, and this time it causes the wind to blow from the land out over the water. So these are our offshores. Okay. Now, we also have winds that blow in our lives. We have winds that hold us up. And these create times of prosperity for us. But we also have winds that knock us down. And these are times of adversity. So how should we respond to each? Well, let's take a look at two different Psalms, the 9th and the 31st, which David wrote at two very different times in his life. So let's flip up the first one. All right, so David wrote the 9th Psalm in a period of prosperity for him. He had just finished defeating Goliath. 
And here's what David writes. He said, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and exult in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. So take note of the three actions that David takes after he defeats to Goliath. First, David immediately stops and thanks God for the help that he provided him. David doesn't take credit for killing Goliath himself. He doesn't quickly move on to whatever is the next crisis in his life. See, God has come through for David, and David appropriately stops and expresses his gratitude. Second thing that David does, David praises God. And, and when David praised God, he really praised God. He applauded God. He celebrated God. He cheered God for what he had done for him. And then third, David shares all that God has done with him with others. See, David doesn't keep God's help a secret. Nor does he just keep it between him and God. No, rather David goes and tells of God's help to both encourage others and also to make sure that God gets the credit that he deserves. Now, David wrote the 31st Psalm. Let's flip to this, Jesse. In a time of adversity. So when he wrote this psalm, Saul's trying to kill him. And so Saul's men are chasing David all up into the hills of Judea. And even in the middle of that, this is what David writes. He says, In you, Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me. Incline your ear to me. Rescue me speedily. Be a rock of refuge for me, a strong fortress to save me. So here I want you to look at two actions that David took. First, David seeks his protection from God. He's not too proud to turn to God. He doesn't try to do it on his own. You see, David understands how desperately he needs God in his life. And then second, and I think this is kind of interesting, David asked God to help him not to falter. You see, David knew himself. And he knew that it was very likely that he would make decisions or that he would make choices in the circumstances that he was in that weren't going to honor God. And he wanted God's help not to do that. Now, as surfers, we get to choose when we go out to surf. We can wake up early in the morning and enjoy the offshores. Uh, I personally, I just don't surf in the afternoon. I just, just not worth it for me. Um, but unfortunately, we don't have that option in the rest of our lives. We are all going to have, we all have had good times and bad times in our life. The key that we learn from David is to live all those times with God, regardless of how the winds are blowing, stick near to Him. Second, let me talk a little bit about the tides. So let me flip to the next picture. There we go. So the tides, of course, are primarily caused by the moon. And as the earth and the moon circle around one another, there are two forces at work that pull on the earth's water, and this is what creates the tides. So I'm going to talk. So the first picture, the, kind of the first, yeah, up top we've got the earth on the left and the moon on the right. Um, so the first force is the gravitational force of the moon. And this pulls the water on the side of the earth, towards the moon, and it creates a tidal bulge, and this is creating a high tide. But the second force 
It's going down to the second picture. This is what's called the inertial force. And this attempts to pull two moving bodies away from one another. And probably the best way to think about it, probably where most of us have experienced inertial force, is think about when you were a little kid on a merry-go-round. As it went faster and faster and you were holding on, inertial force is what you were, was trying to pull you off of the merry-go-round. And so at any given moment, and here's the third picture, on the planet, we have two tidal bulges, one moving in the direction of the moon and one moving in the opposite direction. So there are always two high tides and two low tides at any given moment around the Earth. And since the Earth rotates every 24 hours in a 24-hour period here in Malibu, every day we'll see two high tides and we'll see two low tides. Now surfers study the tides for the wrong tide can take a nice swell with a long period and basically make it unsurfable. See, as the tides rise and fall, the point where a wave starts to touch the bottom of the ocean floor and therefore start to bend, that's going to move. So here at Zuma, a high tide will swamp the break, whereas a low tide will create steeper, hollower waves. And so it's important to understand how the sun and the moon affect the quality of the waves. Now, in contrast to the moon, which varies throughout the day as far as the strength of the pull that it has on the earth, we need God to draw us to him constantly. See, we're designed to be in a relationship with God, and when we're apart from him, we're incomplete. Now, I can go and check the tides with a little tide, tide chart book, or I can go online, but how do I get God to draw me close to him? Well, James provides a very simple answer to that question. James says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. You see, it really is, it's just that simple. If you want a close, intimate relationship with God, we need to draw him near. See, we initiate the action and then he responds. But there's another object that affects the tides, and that's the sun. But of course, due to its distance from the earth, the sun, although it's larger than the moon, has much less of an impact on the tides. But it can, at times, reinforce the moon's pull. So it's, here we go. Now, when the sun, the moon, and the earth are all in a line, kind of like in the top picture, we have what are called spring tides which have more extreme low and high tides. So the low tides are lower than average, and the high tides are higher than average. But when the moon, the sun, and the earth are at right angles to each other, kind of like in the second picture, we have what are called neap tides. And so the low tides aren't as extreme, the high tides aren't, aren't as extreme. So the low tides, they're not as low as they usually are, and the high tides are not as high. So likewise, our brothers and sisters in Christ, they also play a role in keeping us close to God. See, God is integral in our life. We desperately need him, but he also designed us to be in relationship and community with one another. So we need each other for encouragement, for support, and sometimes even for correction. You know, pull up Hebrews. So what the author of Hebrews wrote, he said, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. 
not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, the phrase that I like most in this passage is let us consider. You see, community doesn't happen spontaneously does not happen spontaneously. Fellowship doesn't occur just because we show up here on a Sunday morning. No, we need to think about how we're going to encourage one another. And I think the key step or the key start to that is we have to know each other. And we all have different skills and abilities, and so the way that we're going to answer that question, how do we encourage one another, it's going to differ. But it's a question we need to think about. All right, third, finally, riptides. So waves, con- uh, waves crash constantly onto the shores here in Malibu, every minute, hour of the day, day and night. So where does that water go? Well, some of it evaporates into the air. Very small amount is absorbed into the sand. But most of the water is returned to the ocean in underwater currents that we call riptides. And riptides tend to exist on the sides of wherever a wave is breaking. And what's, what's treacherous, especially for people who aren't familiar with the ocean, is exactly where the riptides are looks very calm on the surface. But underneath, the riptide is flowing with great force, often strong enough to grab you and pull you far out to sea. And so riptides are dangerous if you don't know how to get out of one. And riptides can move as fast as 10 feet per second, which is far too fast for a human to outswim. Riptides kill, I've got to throw in a couple of statistics, riptides kill over 100 people a year. Now, compare that to shark attacks, and roughly there are about 100 shark attacks per year, but only five to six of those on average result in fatalities. So riptides are 20 times as dangerous as sharks. But just as we have riptides in the ocean, we also have riptides in our lives. These these riptides, I would argue, are even more dangerous and more insidious. You see, because they threaten to pull us away from God. And Paul warned us about these riptides, although he probably wasn't thinking about it that way, in his letter to the Hebrews. He said, therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard lest we drift away from it. See, I think it's wise to occasionally check and see, are we drifting away from God? To ask the question, what is it that causes me to drift? What current in my life or what currents in my life threaten to pull me from God? Now, the strongest riptide that I can think of is our culture. Our culture consistently and often in ways unseen and with great force can pull us from God. Well, first, how do we deal with ocean riptides? Well, despite their danger, it's actually quite easy to get out of one. All you do is turn and swim parallel to the beach until you're out of the rip. You see, people only get in serious trouble in riptides and die when they swim against the riptide, trying to get back to the beach, get exhausted, and drown. So how do we deal with spiritual riptides. Well, Paul's advice was to pay closer attention to what we have heard. Well, what have we heard? This. We've heard Scripture. You see, Scripture serves as the anchor in our lives. It holds us close to God regardless 
of the force and the pull of the other riptides in our life. But this book doesn't do us a lot of good if it just sits on our bookshelves. Nor does it do you a lot of good if all it does is make the trip from your house to church and then from your church back to the house every week. You see, our culture is relentless. It assails us during all our waking hours through social media, television, music, movies. And if we don't, play, if we don't pay close attention to Scripture, as Paul suggests, what do you think will be the result? It won't be immediate, but over time, you will find yourself farther and farther from God. So let's take Paul's advice and pay attention to what we've heard. So that's all I got for you this morning. Um, let me get the only three. No, sorry. So let me get the uh, worship team back up, and I'll pray for us as they're coming up. Father, we thank you that we're so incredibly blessed to live, work, and worship in Malibu. We recognize that we live in one of the most beautiful locations on the planet, and we just ask that you remind us from time to time to take the time to marvel at your handiwork and for us always to see your fingerprints in your creation all around us. Amen.